Welcome to the Whole Point Podcast. This is Christy. And this is Serena. And we're sharing how we've learned to see the gifts in the mess and the joys of life, because that's the whole point. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. We are excited to be interviewing Haley Kirchhoff today, and she has so many awesome things in her resume and that she does with her clients. So we'll tell you a little bit about her and get right to the show. Yeah. Haley has a passion for helping women embrace love again after a painful breakup by completely letting go of the one that got away. Her own journey through therapy helped her learn the true healing comes from within, and when we feel whole and happy, we positively impact those around us. Haley's a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida and a board-certified counselor. She's an EMDR trained, which helps get to the root of trauma and shift those negative beliefs and thoughts we hold about ourselves to more positive ones. So Haley, we always like to ask, where are you talking to us from today? So today I'm talking to you from sunny South Florida, although it's not super sunny. It's a little overcast and rainy. Ooh, what's the temperature there? Um, high Ish. 80s, low 90s, oh. <laughs> 100% humidity. Oh. Wow. <laughs> so your skin's dewy, but your hair might be feeling the effects is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Ex- yeah, exactly. So Haley, tell me just so we can get to know you a little bit better personally, what part of your daily routine do you have right now that you're absolutely loving? The part of my daily routine that I'm absolutely loving right now is actually my gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. Every morning I've been waking up and spending some time just jotting down a couple things that I'm really grateful for. And I find that it really changes the way I approach the entire day. Mm-hmm. Do you have a... Um a journal, quote unquote, that you use that you buy? Or is this one that it's like a notebook and you just sit down and kind of freestyle? Yeah, it's just a notebook. Um, I've seen some nice ones and I'm always tempted to buy them, but I found that just a plain old notebook works best. Oh, I love it. So on the topic of books, is there a book or a TV show that you've watched recently that you're really loving? So a book I just finished that I loved was actually The Dry by Jane Harper. And it's a little bit of a murder mystery thriller. It's pretty intense. Takes place in Australia in the middle of a drought. Um, It was really intense, but wonderfully written. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Are you often into the murder mysteries? Is that a genre that you love? Yes. Is it? Oh. Yes. I, yeah, I love murder mysteries, psychological thrillers, all that stuff. I feel like um, when you find out the kind of books people read, you really kind of know a little bit about them. So that's, you like to unravel a mystery then, which goes into what you do with your clients. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So you help men and uh, women and men heal after breakup. So tell us what brought you to that. When I was first being trained as a therapist, I did my work at a domestic violence shelter and outreach center, and I found that I really enjoyed the aspect of trauma, helping individuals come over really 
strong uh, emotional events and they had the added um, layer of maybe some physical violence. And so after working in that for a period of time, I did find that it was a little emotionally taxing. And so I, I did leave and um, worked with college students. And that's when I saw some similarities in regards to that relationship trauma. So while maybe they didn't have some of the added pain of legal issues or violence or anything like that, they were still really suffering um, from that kind of like ultimate rejection of my partner no longer wants to be with me. Yeah. And so what, what does that, what makes it so hard to heal after a breakup? So, I mean, obviously, right. Physical, there's going to be a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. of trauma, but I think sometimes women, you know, beat themselves like, why is it taking mm -hmm. so long? I should be over mm -hmm. this. Or like their friends are like, it's been a year. Mm -hmm. Like you need to get over it. You need to move on. So what makes it so hard? What I've seen makes it really hard for some individuals is they want to know, number one, why? Why are you breaking up with me? And that's such a hard question to answer because, again, it, it can come back and feel like that ultimate personal rejection of, you know, why? Well, because I don't love you anymore. Um, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore. And then that's usually followed up with almost kind of like bargaining when we look at the stages of grief with, well, what if? You know, what if I left my job? What if I moved to be with you? What if I you know, did this differently. And I think it's so hard for us to accept that maybe we're not supposed to be with someone or that maybe they're not the one for us and that it, it could be very personal. Our personalities don't match with theirs. Um, you know, the way we live our life just isn't in alignment with theirs, that we, we have to search for that almost like external reason. So that's what I see. Yeah. Do you think a lot of women, I, I'm just kind of thinking in my mind while you're saying that is a lot of women go, well, I was too big or I wasn't pretty enough. And so they like try to work on that, like physical appearance too. I think that definitely plays a role in it for sure. What I've seen actually happen is that it seems to go even deeper with I'm unlovable. Um, you know, they, they really create this yeah. negative belief, or, or maybe this belief has been there since they were younger. It's shown up different ways, you know, maybe in their family of origin. Um, and then it just all gets triggered by the breakup. Because this person who loves, who knows me mm -hmm. the best, yes. they know all of me, mm -hmm. doesn't like me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people are also, you know, depending on how far out they are from the the actual breaking up, they, they go back and they romanticize some of it and they try to see it almost like, okay, maybe I'm never going to have that again. So let me go back and see. It might have been better than I thought it was. Oh, for sure. That is a, a big thing. Um, they, they definitely romanticize it. Um, a lot of people, I think, have the fear that I, I was my happiest when I was with that person and I will never achieve that level of happiness with someone else. I have never achieved that level of happiness with someone else. And therefore, you know, I need to be with this person if I want to feel happy. So sometimes psychoeducation is very helpful or even just looking for instances where they have been happy can be so helpful. Like reminding them yeah. like, Oh, well here, here's four other ways you're yeah. already currently still happier yeah. and still exists. Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So along the same idea of being hard to heal, you know, everybody says, I need closure. 
I just feel like I need closure. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, what does that even mean? Like I've always, it's always been a little bit nebulous. Like what does it mean to have closure on something? Mm-hmm. I think it looks different for everybody. Um, but probably the most common definition of that closure is, you know, they want that statement of like, okay, I don't want to be with you anymore. Please don't contact me again. <laughs> um, <laughs> which They want the door to be shut all the way. Yeah. Kind of the idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I see happening is that nowadays breakups are so messy. They're not as clean cut. So it's like, well, we're still communicating a little bit or, you know, I have some stuff left in their house that I haven't gone to pick up and they said I could come by whenever, but that they'd want to see me. And so it almost is creating like that false hope or maybe just hope in general of, well, when I see them, I will get to talk to them and maybe we'll reconnect that. Yeah. It keeps it almost like the hope and the door open. What do you recommend for somebody that's in that space? Is it, because it always feels like, um, or at least what I've seen is it's like, well, I need closure with that person. But it Mm -hmm. seems in my my perspective, the closure is actually within ourselves, like to be done with it Mm -hmm. ourselves. But how does that play out when you're working with one of your clients? So usually I try to get them to really think about what they want, especially if the relationship is kind of ending very messily in the sense that they're still communicating, um, you know, via text or on different social media platforms or something. I usually ask them, okay, well, well, what do you want? You know, if you do want to get back together with this person, what's that going to look like? Or if you don't want to get back together with this person, how are you going to handle if they do approach you or if they do reach out to you um, so that they can really get to know what they want and then communicate it to that other person, regardless of, you know, whether they ever have to or not. I love the idea of doing this with someone holding your hand (laughs) because when (laughs) we do, it's like, it's like, you know, 11 at night and we're, Mm -hmm doing something stupid, you know, but yeah. if, if I had you to help me walk through that and be like, okay, what would Haley say? Like, I shouldn't do this. You know, it brings a level of like, um, intelligence. I don't know the word, you know what I mean? Where you're kind of like accountability to do this. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Idea. Well, and sometimes, I mean, we can all do things that we later look back and think like, oh my God, why did I do that? Like, what was I thinking? The truth is, (laughs) the truth is maybe you weren't thinking, maybe you were really caught up in like a deep emotional space and you you need kind of like, like that outside person to say like, okay, before you do anything, just stop, take a breath, like let's look at this from another perspective. It's almost like we, our emotions take over. They're driving the car mm-hmm. instead of our, yes. our prefrontal right. cortex, our logical oh. mind is like tried up in the trunk or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. that's, that's love, right? Mm-hmm. There's that level of disconnect between the, the, the front and back brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you hear that all the time from people who, you know, or maybe with a partner that on paper, so to speak, doesn't, you know, look great, like, oh, they don't maybe have a high paying job, or maybe they don't have, um, you know, X, Y, and Z, but I love them. And so I'm going to stay with them, you know, and some people might be like, well, they're not a good catch, they can't, you know, provide whatever it is that they're, they're placing on the situation. But yet, yeah, you know, well, I love them. So I want to be with them. And 
it's it's just that emotion. And you had talked about discernment, like helping people with the discernment part. So is that what you're already talking mm-hmm. about? Like you'll be there to like coach people through it or is there another level? No, ge- that's generally a pretty big overview of the discernment, really clarifying values, what we value in ourselves, what we value in a relationship. Is that showing up in our current relationship? If it's not, how are we going to move forward? Um, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to communicate that we want that within our relationship, you know, in an appropriate and healthy way? So. I was just thinking it would, you know, you had mentioned a gratitude journal earlier, this idea of journaling and then also just the presence of saying, mm-hmm. what is it mm-hmm. that I want? I feel like that goes into that discernment, almost like how many of us take the time to say, even if we're in a relationship mm-hmm. we want to be in, like, what is it that I want in a relationship and where can I you know, get more of that? Or how can I cultivate that additional thing? Because that's what we do with the gratitude practice, right? It's like, let's find the gratitude so we can amplify the gratitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually love journaling as a therapeutic exercise, because and many some people don't, but I find that if you just take the time to even just jot down your thoughts on a piece of paper, maybe what you want to say, maybe what you wish you had said, it kind of gives those thoughts a place and you can kind of get them like out of your head. So they're not swirling around. They're not taking up a lot of time or energy or focus. Um, And you can really just kind of like honor them and acknowledge them and then, you know, go about your day. (laughs) And come back and Mm -hmm. read them if you do like a a refresh. (laughs) Sometimes rereading is is actually really cool because you can almost then say like, well, wow, I didn't know I was feeling that way or like, oh yeah, you know, I was able to communicate that in a way. It's nice to look at it with like a fresh eye. And I've been married 18 years, so I'm old and I'm not in the dating scene (laughs) for sure. But I have four daughters. My oldest is a senior in high school and, you know, it's such a different universe, you know, this dating and the online, the digital world, the ability to have access. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what do you see are some challenges, some, you know, ways that that's making things harder, maybe easier? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What is your take on all that? (laughs) I will be honest. I haven't really seen the advent of social media make breakups any easier for people. Yeah. I really only hear reports of it making it harder because, you know, just take, take Facebook, for example, you're friends with your person and then you guys break up. And so when I was in college, you know, it was so much more about the relationship status versus the news feed. So that would always be like the first thing that popped up and immediately like, oh my God, so-and-so's not in a relationship anymore. Um, you know, you're seeing pictures, you're making stories of what those pictures mean. Like, oh, I was on my ex-boyfriend's Facebook the other night and he was in this picture with this girl and I'm pretty sure that's who he's dating now. So then I tried to see if she was tagged and I saw her profile and she looks so happy and, you know, I'm not that happy. I mean, we can like spiral out of control with the the stories we tell ourselves. Um, And it's also just another means of communication, you know, Facebook Messenger, writing on their wall, even Instagram has direct messages, 
it's just such a way to stay connected and keep that wound open versus like, okay, you know, we're not together anymore. I don't see you anymore. I'm not flooded with um, information about your life anymore. Every five seconds, you know, I can allow myself to turn my attention elsewhere. What kind of direction do you give for your clients as they navigate that? Is it like, give me your phone and I'll throw it away for you? Like, what do you do with that? (laughs) Because it's so compulsive. Yes, it it is. It's definitely compulsive. I usually ask them to first kind of get honest with like, okay, so on average, how how often are you checking their page, you know, and maybe they'll give me like a 50% true, you know, which we're all a little embarrassed sometimes about our online habits. Um, you know, so maybe I'll <laughs> not me. I'm an amazing detective online and I will tell everybody. <laughs> yes. The Facebook reconnaissance is what I call it. Oh man. It's a skill. Yes. I tell you, you know, so I'll usually try to have them check in with like, okay, first of all, how often are you doing this? You know, then, mm okay, when you do this, what is it eliciting and bringing up? Like when you look at their page, are you feeling nothing? Are you getting like that emotional jolt again? Um, Is it causing you to have like some pretty negative spiraling thoughts? Like how are you responding when you do it? And then I ask them to just kind of like, okay, so you're checking it maybe four or five times a day. When you see their page, it's pretty devastating. You sort of spiral into a negative story Um, You really don't feel good afterwards. You find that, you know, you can't focus on work or whatever it is that you were doing before. So would you try, I always give them the option, would you try maybe checking it only three times a day? You know, starting small. Some people do definitely like to jump in and they're like, that's it. I'm going to defriend them and delete my Facebook and delete my Instagram. And that's awesome. Sometimes it can backfire and, you know, like when we go on a diet or something like that, you know, okay, no sugar, no ice cream, no chocolate, but our willpower is, isn't infinite. Eventually we're going to cave. So, and then, you know, once you cave like, oh, well I did, you know, redownload the app and I, I messaged them again and you feel even worse. So I always like encourage them to start small and recognize that it's a journey that doesn't have to be done overnight. Do you find a lot of people benefit from unfriending or is it really a case by case situation? It's kind of case by case. Yeah. I would say probably at the very least trying to unfollow them on social media somehow if you felt you had enough control or were past the breakup to where, again, if you saw their page, you weren't going to have such a strong negative emotional reaction. Yeah. And I just, I still love the idea of of working with someone through all this stuff. There's so much Mm -hmm. to process. Mm -hmm. I have another question what if you work together, go to school together, drive by their house every day? I mean, we do have the ability, even though we don't use it on social media, we have, mm-hmm. we have the ability to press the button to turn it off or to unfriend. But what about when mm-hmm. you don't and you do have to be in proximity, whatever that looks like to the person? Mm-hmm. So what I usually recommend, and it's actually funny you mentioned that because that was something that I experienced in high school. And it is so hard because you're triggered by all of these like reminders that you're not necessarily in control of. So I usually 
try to get individuals where that happens. Like if they do work together or they live nearby or it's like, oh, I'm going to drive by the pizza place that was like our pizza place um, is to kind of develop a self-soothing technique and also create some awareness of the thought that's going to pop up for them in that moment. So like say they're driving by the restaurant that was always there you know, recognize, okay, I'm going to drive by the restaurant. It's probably going to remind me of this person. Just allow that to come, but be cognizant that, you know, my thoughts are going to come up. And then how am I going to soothe myself so that, you know, as I keep driving by, I don't let the, I don't keep going further down the rabbit hole that I kind of stop where I was. Yeah. What are some examples of self-soothing techniques that you would kind of like, um, like, maybe float to your clients. Mm -hmm. So a basic, super basic one is just deep breathing, turning your awareness to your breath, Mm. really just anything that's going to calm you down, turning a song on that you like, um, having a scent that you like. There are a couple that involve kind of some guided imagery. So taking yourself to Mm. a calm place putting your thoughts kind of away for the time being so that they don't bother you. Those are some of the ones that I usually introduce Mm. to, um, to my clients. Yeah. Those are helpful. It's almost like you have to have this, like when you have the awareness, you're providing them the awareness. It's like find a few songs that feel uplifting or calming to you. And you have a little arsenal put together of what to do in the moment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When I used to work with kids, we would call that like their um, little toolbox. And it was really cool because you could actually make like a little shoebox full of things like with little note cards and stuff on them. And it's nice. Some adults may not really like that, but some do. Some of the more creative individuals. And so sometimes even just jotting things like that down in a note on your phone, you know. Mm I feel like today's kids would have like a fanny pack because the fanny pack's back. They'd be like, here's my fanny pack of self-soothing mm-hmm. tools mm-hmm. with an essential oil in there and like a yeah. P3. Yeah. <laughs> or like there, there's an app for that yeah. or something. <laughs> I wonder if you have, or I would love your opinion on the time. People, I think, should on themselves, like I should be over it, it's been two weeks, or I should be over it, it's been a year. What is the time frame or is there one at all Mm -hmm. for people actually getting over, being on the other side of it, being okay, or starting a new relationship? I don't really think there's any kind of time frame. It's funny. My mom was a huge Sex and the City fan when it was still on HBO. And so every once in a while I would watch it with her. And I always remember that episode where it was like, oh, it takes half as long as you dated the person to get over them. So like if you dated for a year, it should be six months. And I don't know how far into like mainstream culture that uh, idea went, but it has always stuck with me when I've, you know, been grieving over something. But I think slowly I've started to learn that there's, there's really no time frame on your grief and your loss. Um, mm. And it's, it can be helpful to really identify where is this causing problems for me? How committed am I to overcoming it? You know, acknowledging that it's going to take some time. It's not going to heal overnight, but if it's really impacting my life in a negative way Mm -hmm. to where I'm, I'm not able to get up to go to work in the morning, or I, you know, I'm not able to enjoy the same activities that I once was, how can we start making slow adjustments to that? 
Yeah, that's I I feel like that's so freeing maybe for someone who's listening like okay, I'm not horrible because <laughs> it's been a month or five or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, there's there's no time frame on healing, I don't think. I feel like when you do that shooting it probably in my view would even make it take longer, right? Because yeah. you're not allowing mm-hmm. yourself to just mm-hmm. like do it to for feel sure. it and to be in it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and where does that should even come from? You know, like, is it, is it your expectations? Is it your family's expectations? Cause they're tired of hearing about this. Is it again, societal expectations from a TV show you watched, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, no time frame. And you mentioned the grief process. Is it, and I'm, you know, familiar with that for sure. Does, does a person go through every stage of grief? Is it similar to some, do they have some and not others? Do some skip over it? You know, I'm not super well versed in grief therapy. I would say that it's probably very similar to like those five stages of grief that we think about um, when we've, you know, when someone has passed away. Yeah. But yeah, maybe not all of the stages, or maybe they're going to look a little bit different. Hey, it's Christy and Serena here, just popping in to let you know we would love to chat with you. We both offer free consultations with no obligations. If you've ever wondered if working with one of us might be the right next thing for you, hop over to our websites, serenatalbot.com and christybartelt.com. And if you've been listening for a while and you don't know who you'd like to work with, you can set up a call with both of us and we can't wait to talk with you. Now back to the show. Thank you so much. That was amazing information, but to switch gears and I have four, (laughs) you know, teenagers. So who knows? Who knows? I might be calling you. We'll see. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) um, You also are trained in EMDR. So can you tell us what that stands for? You know, layman's terms, what that is, how that helps. Um, if you, Mm -hmm. do you use it in Mm -hmm. helping people with relationships as well? Yes. So, um, short answer. Yes. Um, (laughs) That's five, five (laughs) questions. No big deal. (laughs) So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, and it's exactly what it says, is it utilizes eye movements, rapid eye movements of back and forth that you would experience when you're in sleep or when you're in the REM cycle of sleep to help your brain kind of reprocess the information or the emotional event that you've had. And it comes from, so when we have like really strong emotional event and an example I always use is individuals who've been in combat, they hear the sound of gunfire and it's a very strong emotion coming up in that moment. And their immediate thought is I'm going to die. So because they were in such a heightened place when they had that thought and they created that association with the sound, the next time they hear that sound, it triggers those same thoughts and that same emotional physiological reaction, um, whether it's just fireworks or not. So it's like the brain hasn't really moved that memory that's, and that association from the emotional side, your right hemisphere, into your more logical side, the left hemisphere. 
And so the eye movements allows for activity to happen in both sides of the brain while you're reflecting on that event. And it can be more integrated into your memory now, if that makes sense. So when you're doing it, makes perfect sense that left, the left, right. Okay. To connect. <laughs> um, so when you're using that with somebody who's been through a breakup, what parts of that are create this kind of similar stress pattern where you would need to, you know, move things from the right side to the left? So what I usually have them identify is what was that negative core belief that was surfacing when, or that is surfacing when you think about the breakup. So for some individuals, it may be, well, that I'm unlovable. So that's the thought that they have, I'm unlovable, or maybe I'm worthless, I'm not good enough. And we really, and, you know, perhaps it's accompanied with, you know, a feeling of pit in the stomach or, you know, a heaviness in the chest, some kind of physical symptom. And so really just desensitizing that emotional reaction to that thought so that it no longer carries the same kind of weight. So what can somebody expect in an EMDR uh, session? Like, is that really an emotional release or is it very simple or Mm -hmm. calm? Usually the way EMDR goes is there is a lot of grounding that's done first. A lot of those self-soothing, like I was talking about um, a little bit ago, having like a, a safe place to either go or a safe place to put your thoughts and really bring you back to the present moment. And a lot of people, what they report after doing some eye movements or bilateral stimulation, maybe with um, physical tapping on either side of their body or listening to tones and alternating their ears, is, yeah, just a calmness. And also that when they think Mm -hmm. about the incident and that negative belief, it no longer feels as Mm -hmm. distressing. Oh, that's good. I can picture someone who's got to show up at work every day, right? Within with an ex, like that being so helpful. Yeah, or even somebody who has children with someone that you know, is able to use that to yeah. kind of de-excite, move mm-hmm. it from the emotional side. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the number one thing a lot of people say is that they, after a couple of the eye movements or whatever it is, that it, it just no longer feels as heavy, you know, that they can think about it without that, like, ugh, you know, tightness in their stomach or whatever they're feeling. Now I have a question. So I have actually had EMDR uh, for myself mm-hmm. in the past And I know it's going to be different for every situation and, you know, each person and what they're bringing to the table. And when I had had several rounds of it, if you will, and I always Mm -hmm. felt quite drained afterwards. Is that a normal reaction? Now, I was dealing with childhood trauma. So, you know, very Mm -hmm. deep things that were affecting me kind of as my in my adult life, which I would imagine is a bit different than these relationship pieces. But do you find that people have a particular like after the session, do they feel like they need to rest or they're feeling kind of like they could go back to work or what does that look like? Everyone does respond differently. Uh, It's not uncommon. Part of my training in EMDR was we too had to practice with, you know, real scenarios. And after my practice sessions, I did feel physically drained. Um, So I do always tell people that you're 
brain and your body are going to continue processing the information because especially when you go to sleep, you will also enter REM. So just take note of anything that does come up, you know, whether it's different dreams or yeah, feelings somewhere in your body. And it's funny, there's actually a trauma therapist. I haven't read his book yet, but it's called The Body Keeps Score. And it is all oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. Bessel van der Kolk. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, it is all about like that kind of holistic, like we're keeping tension and stress in our body. And so it makes sense as we work through it, we're going to be a little more physically tired. So I usually just recommend that, you know, people take whatever it is that they need um, to definitely practice those self-soothing techniques to bring them back to the present if they feel they are getting a little overwhelmed outside of session and just notice it, you know, just notice take note, and then we look at it in the next session. Interesting. So, you know, the idea of bilateral stimulation or Mm side-to-side stimulation to cross that, because really it's what's strengthening the corpus callosum, this middle ground between the left and right side. Now, over the summer, I have young children, and one of them is seven, and we went to all the Harry Potter movies. And Mm -hmm. some of those later movies are quite scary. Like, there's some very scary parts. And I had... um, recently, you know, been through some training where the person who was training was actually talking about practitioners, making sure that we are continuing to de-excite our nervous system and and integrate Mm -hmm. while we're helping people. And, you know, you can do this like tapping like side to side on your left and right thigh or whatnot Mm -hmm. to kind of integrate in the moment. So I was doing that with him during the movie. Uh, It was just like a crossover, like, oh, I learned this. I'll just tap on my child's you know, thighs Mm -hmm. as we watch Harry Potter. But do you think that um, people can do that as kind of like a a small DIY in the moment to continue to integrate left and right side? Or do you think that's irrelevant? It needs to be in this bigger setting. Clearly the big stuff needs to go through like a process because somebody holding space for you and guiding Mm -hmm. you is important. But is this like a takeaway that people could use? I would hesitate to have anyone practice any kind of bilateral stimulation without, like you said, having guidance or training. But what's funny is you've probably noticed we're already kind of doing that on our own. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen maybe someone like sitting on a subway or waiting like at a doctor's office and they might just be kind of like absentmindedly tapping their hands, like left, right, left, right on their thighs while they wait. So it's almost like in a way we're engineered to kind of do this sort of ourselves. Oh, interesting. So, but what I usually recommend if you haven't been trained or if you haven't worked with somebody with EMD, you know, if you're not trained yourself or anything like that to find that self-soothing and maybe you do find that, you know, tapping on your chest is what feels good doing the, you know, alternating tapping on your thighs. Um, but just finding a way to kind of self-soothe. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then do you have any sage advice for someone who's just going through a breakup right now? Like it's fresh, it's new. What would you say to them? I guess I would say to them, it's okay. It takes time. You don't have to go through this alone. It doesn't mean all of these negative things that you're thinking about yourself and it will get better. You will heal. Yeah, that's good. And I, I have the question, like, what to do on anniversaries, birthdays, and, you know, hard days like mm-hmm. that. And maybe we've already mm-hmm. answered it with the soothing and the EMDR and those kind of things. Yeah. Anytime you 
kind of like we were talking about a little bit earlier, having the awareness that if you drive by that restaurant or if the birthday comes up or special anniversaries, kind of having that awareness of like, okay, this is going to be a tough, or this might be a tough day for me. You don't always want to say like, oh, this is going to be a tough day and have that self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but maybe just being aware and then thinking like, okay, if it is a tough day for me, how will I recognize it? You know, will I be feeling off at work? Will I, you know, find my, my uh, attention wandering? Will I, you know, how will I just know that things aren't going the way I want them to? And then once I notice that, what am I going to do? Am I going to tell my boss, Hey, I got to take, you know, like the rest of the day off for a sick day, if that's okay. Do I want to make sure that I get outside and get some fresh air and exercise that afternoon, spend time with my pet, go out with my friends, not necessarily to take your mind off of it, but to just help yourself stay a little bit more in the present moment versus dwelling on the past. Yeah, that sounds, that's really good. And then what brings you the most joy in your work? I think just when people say that having talked to me, they feel a little bit better. I think a lot of people are walking around with a lot of pain that maybe they are afraid to share Again, whether it's because people in their life have said, you need to get over it, it's not that big of a deal, just move on. And so I think they even sometimes feel um, shame, like, yeah, like we were talking about, I, I, I should be over this, this shouldn't be a big deal. So really allowing them that space to have as their own, to to dwell on it as much as they want, knowing that they're going to move past it, to just be not judged for what they're feeling. I think that's some of the the most rewarding part. Yeah, I think that's so good. I mean, just take away stigma with people. We're so silly how we always think everybody should be doing something (laughs) like a certain speed or a certain way or whatever. We're we're human and we're all individual for sure. Yeah. And it's like you normalize the process. It's like you're mm-hmm. not the only one that feels this way. Yeah. yeah. This is all normal stuff. Let's yeah. like get it on the table and see if we can't create a better framework for you yeah. to deal with yeah. it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, you know, I think back to, you know, what skin off my back is it whether or not somebody, you know, gets over this breakup or not? Like when it's been, you know, like friends or family, you know, so I don't know why sometimes we push these, um, these expectations on our, our family and our friends. I think it's sometimes because we don't know how to deal with just sitting in discomfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to be happy because then I'll feel better. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what is your uh, mission and vision with your business? I think my vision is to create a group of people, hopefully, who have healed enough from their past pain that they no longer inflict it on others, that they're no Mm -hmm. longer angry or sad, that they're feeling content with themselves so that they can go on to be loving members in their family and in society. That's my vision. And I guess my mission is just to help individuals heal from that pain in a way that works for them. 
I love that. It's such a cascade effect, Haley. When we when someone yeah. heals, it touches everyone in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think of that, you know, being passed on, you know, when we and mm-hmm. and you know, I've worked even with a client and they're they're having they're struggling in in relationships today and it's like, well, I saw my mom do this and do that and be devastated forever, mm-hmm. you know, after the divorce and never recover and so then they're struggling. Mm-hmm. 30 years later, you know, how to have a relationship. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And the more people that heal themselves, they can direct other people to healing, right? It's like, oh, you're in pain. Hey, I know this woman, Haley, <laughs> she can help you, right? I still, I mean, I just love this idea of of walking through this with someone else, taking away the shame that like, oh, it's just a breakup. You can get over it, you know, but be like, no, yeah. this is something that I can, I can get help with. This is important. Yeah. The, I don't know who's, who the saying is attributed to, but the saying hurt people, hurt people has never felt more true to me than when I started doing therapy because it was like, yeah, you know, I'm in pain, I'm hurting. I don't know how to deal with it. So my reaction is going to be to lash out at you in some kind of way, maybe, you know, because I can't, you know, confront the person who hurt me. And so, yeah, really just like taking that back, um, I think will ultimately hopefully lead to a, a calmer, more loving society. I love it. Mm-hmm. We're going all the way. World peace, baby. <laughs> One person yeah. at a time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. So Haley, what does it look like when someone's working with you? Like, can they do a consultation? What kind of, what can they expect? Yeah. So I do offer um, individuals to call and have a 15 minute consultation to kind of get a feel for my style, my attitude, um, make sure we're a good fit therapeutically, that my training and experience matches what they're looking for, what their presenting issues are. I try to go at everyone's speed. So if, you know, someone comes in and maybe they like they know they have this big issue that they want to work on, but they want to build up to it. You know, that's completely fine by me. Um, I don't try to rush or push anyone into anything. And yeah, that's kind of, you know, pretty relaxed. Just that's what it looks like. And what kind of people should or shouldn't work with you? I would say people who are looking to overcome maybe some of those really strong negative beliefs about themselves that they feel are really hindering them in the present day. So if they've got that thought of, I'm unlovable, I'm worthless, I'm never going to be good enough, is really holding them back to definitely reach out. I would say there's no one who really shouldn't work with me unless they don't feel like the work is pertinent to them. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And where can people find you? So I do have a website, kirchhoffcounseling.com, and my email is Haley at kirchhoffcounseling.com. Wonderful. Haley, it has been a delight. You have given so much value today. I sure appreciate, number one, you well, being with you. us, but also the work you're doing is so important. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure to talk with you guys. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show and drop Haley some love on our Instagram page or shoot her an email of whatever wonderful thing you took from her. And if you're in Florida, reach out to her. She sure can help you overcome any of those relationship challenges you're facing. 
Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. Leave us a review. Subscribe so more people can find us. And if you want more information about me or Christy, there's a link to both of our websites in the show notes. And we'll see you next time. Bye.